I kid ourselves. The reason that she had to go is so that the A Street Boys, those that Mr. Gavaldon... No, 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 I, you're wrong, and I'm going to put in, because you, you are a liar. You, you are a liar. You are a liar. You are a liar. You want to play Tony Soprano? You are a liar. But I'll play it right back to you. You're a liar. You're a small little man. You're a liar. We have lies like that. We have... Oh. Yeah, you are a small little man. We have one item. You can't have decorum with a guy that thinks he's a gangster. The only Thank you for participating in the City of Miami Commission for January 11, 2024. The commission meeting is now adjourned. Thank you. Welcome back to Why Are We Like This, the podcast that treats Florida like the active crime scene it is. I'm David Quinones, your host. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tomas. Tomas Kennedy. What's up, man? You know, free uh, free at last. God Almighty, we're free at last. Yeah, Tomas can finally say things that he's always wanted to say, as if he's as if he's, as, as if he's been censoring yeah, himself. I've always said we're going to get into it. We're going to get into always- it. Uh, if I'm joined by Tomas, of course, I'm joined as well by Gerald Doherty, my other co-host. Hey, Jer. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well as well. Um, so we are joined by what should be almost at this point our fourth Mike. Uh, he is a three-time returning guest to the show. You know him. You know the sound of his voice. You might have already heard it already. Ryan Ray, Leon County Democratic Party Chair, but more importantly, the host of the Tropical Depression Podcast. And even more importantly than that, the uh, the 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 publisher of the brand new, fresh off the transom publication, Florida News Signal, which you can find on Instagram and on Twitter at the handle Florida News Signal. Ryan, welcome back to the show. It's uh, so good to be here. Thanks for having me. And I have always admired Tomas's restraint up to now. So I'm yeah. glad. Glad to see you're off the chain finally. It's been really Thank hard you. to get Tomas uh, you know, out of his shell over these last few years. He's you know, a real shrinking violet, as they say. Um, but most of that was because of, you know, his, his, his natural inherent politesse, his like, you know, his, 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 his unwillingness to criticize, but, um, you know, that might be going by the wayside because our first item under, under our news and notes, uh, before we get into our main topic with, uh, another returning guest, uh, Ides Kamani, who you'll hear from shortly is, uh, Tomas's resignation. Tomas, walk us through what, what, what's happened professionally over the course of the last 72 hours in your life? Well, I don't know if professionally I, w- I would qualify this this part of my life in any way, shape, or form. But basically, I submitted uh, my uh, resignation via email and a uh, open letter published by The Intercept from the Democratic National Committee and by association, the Florida Democratic Party. So uh, the cringe is over uh, or, or <laughs> long-lasting national nightmare uh, is uh, past us and I am free. But yeah, in all seriousness, I resigned because of uh, the mass slaughter uh, genocide uh, that the Biden administration is funding and supporting in Gaza being perpetrated by Israeli forces and the DNC's and uh, Democratic Party's complicity 
in uh, stopping any sort of check on that via the canceling of primaries in various states that would give voters an alternate uh, choice from Joe Biden, uh, which I would in a second uh, take, you know, I would in a second vote uh, for any uh, other candidate uh, than Joe Biden uh, at this point. So I think maybe a, uh, an interesting exercise, or at least a fun one at least, would be for us to go around and hit you with um, all of the, or a, a selection of a smattering of the sort of shitty liberal responses. And I'll start the, to, to your resignation or to people like you. And I'll start with one, um, the, the the best one, the one that I love and the one that I'm most looking forward to your answer on. So you want Trump to win? Tomas, you want Trump to win? Got a lot of that. Got a lot of that. I mean, look, yeah. uh, Trump sucks uh, for sure. He's a moron. Uh, and we're faced with uh, really bad uh, choices this election. But at the end of the day, there's uh, one uh, currently uh, sitting president who has uh, overseen the death of 23,000 Palestinians, including 9,600 children uh, so far. The displacement of uh, 92% of Palestinians uh, from their homes, uh, the complete destruction of infrastructure leading to uh, severe and acute water shortages, that are causing widespread uh, disease outbreak, the use of illegal uh, weapons of war like incendiary white phosphorus, which is an international, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, human rights violation. Uh, uh, one, there's one president who has circumvented congressional authority not just to continue to sell weapons uh, of war. Of, of killing to Israel, but also to expand this war into a broader regional uh, conflict that we're getting sucked in, as we've seen yesterday by uh, American uh, and British uh, airstrikes in Yemen. So uh, yeah, uh, I'm not supporting Joe Biden. I'm not voting for Joe Biden, uh, and that's it. And you know that it's. I would say it's your responsibility to go vote harder if you don't want Trump to win. My other favorite uh, response was. Um, if you don't like what's happening to the Palestinians now, just wait until Donald Trump is in office, implying that there is some sort of a lid being kept on the Israeli yeah. military operation. And the the keeper of the lid is one Joe Biden and not that he yeah. has been a willing and gleeful regurgitator of, of IDF talking points from the presidential pulpit. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll respond to, you know, so I, I, I cite this in my um intercept piece you know 1982 during the uh lebanon war um actually ronald reagan you know you know famous for uh, funding central american death squads mm -hmm. uh, not a humanitarian by any means uh, actually called prime minister begin uh, uh during that conflict and told him to ease up on the violence and that the symbol of the war was a six-month-old Palestinian baby with its arms blown off. Um, so, you know, when you are to the right of Ronald Reagan in terms of supporting, uh, you know, like, Israeli war crimes, like, we're in trouble, right? Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that, you know? Like, so like, you, you, like you... actually, there is, you know, I, I don't think that Trump would be any better on this issue, obviously. I mean, you could see what he did during right. his, his first term. But like, you know, right now, I mean, I've just I've like cited a bunch of horrible statistics about what's happening to Gaza and Palestinians. 
there's like a sitting president who's overseeing this like slaughter and this destruction. And I just cannot personally vote for, for that person. That doesn't mean that I'm going to go vote for Trump either, obviously. Also, who gives a shit? It's just like my little vote. Like who gives a fuck? Your vote doesn't matter. Like, I'm sorry. Like no one's going to tell you this, but like I will. Like it doesn't fucking matter. You're preaching. Matter. I, I voted for the Greens in 2020. I'm probably going to do it again in 24. You're, you're yeah. preaching to the choir. Yeah, like grow the fuck up. You're tiny little. All right, well, don't go that far. I'm, I'm going to wear this hoodie for as long as I possibly can. Don't go that far. <laughs> Brian, do you have a, uh, a piece of, uh, criti- uh, of of criticism for folks that, like Tomas that are, uh, you know. Well, well I saw uh, this past legislature. This past legislative session, I bared witness to a classic Tomas Kennedy haranguing of uh, Republican State Senator Ileana Garcia. Um, so I, 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 it was it was a, a true vintage classic. Um, and so I know that there's there's no uh, there, there's no secret Republican angles, uh, just principle when it comes to Mr. Kennedy on this. And uh, what we've seen there is is just wrong. I don't know how anybody with a soul. Um, can look at that and say, yeah, that's um, that's what we want. So um, it's it's always right. Uh, it's all it's always right to do the right thing. No man, you gotta you gotta well, hit so- me with a, with a with a shitty live like response. Well, I, I've got I've got one. I've got one. I saw a few people calling in the in the in the retweets and the and the responses saying that Tomas uh, is uh, it, he sure must be privileged. What a privilege to be able to have Ooh. this. And I would just I mean like. I always, I'm a very materialist person. I always look at, you know, usually houses and cars and um, like Tomas does not have his car anymore. But when he did, I think it was like a geo storm or something. Wasn't it? What was that little, the, 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 the little Fiat. car? It was a Fiat. A, a Fiat. Yeah. Nice. It, 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 Tomas is not a creature of privilege. I would say somebody who only in like the last five or six years, you know, became documented. I'm not sure if, if, if that's a like, valid gonna, line of criticism. I'm not going to go through my, my, my pity sob story. Cause yeah. I just, I, I don't want to victimize myself. All I'll say is like, who gives a shit if I'm privileged or not? Like yeah. what's happening in Gaza is wrong and it has nothing to do with me or anybody, you know, like Elsa's status criticizing it. What's happening. It's wrong. That's just like a stupid, like accusation to level at someone for, you know, pointing that out. Agreed. The, uh, the argument can be made whether or not you are a creature of privilege, privilege, Tomas, but the argument cannot be made against you having been one of the many people who was targeted earlier this week in the great Twitter purge that wasn't um, pretty much every prominent. I, I, I'm, try, I'm still trying to figure out the uh, the like line. I guess it was just people who were like, like the line of connection. Was it just like people who were critical of Israel, Israel policy or I, I don't know, but you're, you were one of the many uh accounts on twitter that are high follower accounts that it didn't seem like there was a very straight through line but see, like i thought va- it was maybe vaguely i would say that yeah yeah vaguely I, I would say you know anyone critical of the israeli I'll, I'll military say this. operation so, you know that famous photo of elon musk and jelaine maxwell mm-hmm. yes so i tweeted that once and i like tagged elon musk and it went like massively viral like <laughs> i got like twelve thousand retweets and i remember being like oh, oh man like he's gonna nuke my account fuck it whatever you know, so I, I let it be and like nothing happened. And then like, I don't know, like a month later, you know, I'm part of this like purge. I, I, I don't have know, a theory. People that like we're just dunking on Elon and like being like, yeah, side in Gaza is bad. I have a theory that it's mostly like most things in the world that, you know, the Occam's razor rule since 2015 has just been like the dumbest thing is probably the thing. And um, like it's probably the reason. And I, I just have a feel. I, I mean, like it's come out that. Bill Ackman, the you know billionaire um, hedge fund manager, 
whatever. I don't even want to turn this into a Bill Ackman podcast, but he had conversations with Elon Musk. He, he definitely was it's coordinating with him um, about, you know, some criticism of his wife and her own plagiarism and this whole Harvard embroglio. And uh, I have a funny feeling that Elon took the opportunity to like knock down a few of the accounts that were critical of, of Bill Ackman at the same time saying like, oh, I got this list of assholes Dude. like Tomas Kennedy that I want to, I've been needed to get to this guy anyway. Let me just like shut him off too. Fuck I it, haven't you know? tweeted anything about Bill Ackman because honestly. No, I, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you got caught up in the wake I, of that. I like, could not care to less the dragnet. nerds like accusing each other of plagiarism or whatever. Like I could not care less. So I've not tweeted anything about that. <laughs> like I say, I don't want to turn this into a fucking yeah. Bill Ackman podcast because, like, please, no. Who cares? fucking bring a book. Like, how fucking boring. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Ryan, what, do, do, what, what, what went through your head when the Twitter purge that wasn't was kind of going on? I think that they just uh, they just they took a ban hammer to a list of the coolest dudes of online. <laughs> cool. lots, of, lots of just like bros and homies. That like to get down and party, you know. So the brave, some of the bravest, uh, some of the bravest warriors in the in the posting wars were uh, were brought down for a couple hours that day, and, and I'll never forget. But they they were not defeated. In one they, of the, they wrote like like a phoenix rose from the ashes. In one of the toughest fronts of the posting wars, X slash Twitter. It's That's like right. it's like the Eastern Front in World War Two, man. It's, it's where the true casualties uh, are, are racking up. It's still early. That was almost your Waterloo. Yeah, it's it's still early, but right now the tweet of the year for me is um Ken, the resurgent Ken Klippenstein tweet tweet when he came back the I lived bitch. I laughed. I laughed a lot when I saw that, and it also felt good because I knew everybody's uh everybody's everybody's accounts were back online, and I wouldn't have to leave the site. Um, so that said, I was kind of hoping uh, that uh, honestly my account was permanently nuked, but never. Oh bullshit! Never no, you, you, you fucking love Twitter. Yeah. You love all of it. You fucking love that it was. I, I mean, you were shitting your pants for a solid hour and a half. You know that you love that place. Man. I love it, but like, if I was like to be like the only way that I would stop using it is like that. Like I would have to be like banned, like forced out, like that. So, like it would be good for like my mental health, my productivity. So it would have hurt and like. I would have been just having a bad time with it, <laughs> but yeah. it, 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 in a recess of my mind, I was like, Jesus, please release me, like free me. But it wasn't meant to be. Let this cup uh, pass from my lips. Yeah. But no, you have to carry that cross. <laughs> so today we're going to get into all of you. We're going to get into the Florida legislative session and some of the worst things that are, that are, that are uh, on tap for, um, you know, that oh, hell. That's going to come. But I really wanted it to get away from Miami. And unfortunately, it just can't happen. This is the wrong week for it to happen. Uh, uh, we're going to check in in Tallahassee with, with with Ryan. But before we do, we have to catch up on this crazy week that has been um, happening, that has been transpiring down here in in, in, in uh, Miami-Dade, or specifically in the city of Miami. And I start us off with a Local 10 news article. Joe Carroyo jokes about order to seize his assets. Quote, they would have a right to some of my, uh, they would have a right to some of my underwear. Um, Dateline is here in Miami. In Joe Carroyo's first Miami City Commission meeting since a federal court ordered U.S. Marshals to start collecting on a $63 million legal judgment, the longtime elected official came out swinging against his critics and at times was irreverent uh, when speaking to local media about the legal ruling. Carroyo, who represents District 3 on the commission, lost a $63.5 million lawsuit 
brought by two uh, Miami businessmen. We've gone through this. Everybody knows this if you're, yeah. if you're a listener. Um, what you might have missed if you uh, have developed an aversion to local news like um, some of us have uh, is the near fist fight that broke out. And uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. It was um, with uh, uh, Miguel Gabelo, who's a, a new brand new um, commissioner who I think is still fighting to, right? Am I, am I right, Tomas? He's still fighting to legally keep, be able to keep his seats yeah. because they're trying to, uh, you know, put jurisdictional, like, bullshit um, yeah. hurdles yeah. in front of him. I, b- I believe they addressed it yesterday, but don't quote me on that. But they, there was an effort to address, like, the, the borderlines yesterday. So uh, I guess I'll throw it out to you guys to talk about it, but, but but maybe to, you know, just say, like, where would you guys start to try to find, you know, squeeze blood from the rock that is Joe Carollo? I, 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 I don't know what kind of assets he has, but I would imagine a lot of them are offshore. He seems like a, a guy who knows his way around Bimini and knows his way around Switzerland. But I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I think that uh, Commissioner Joe Carollo, who's been a terror, as you all know, since the 70s at least, um, I – think that his socks could actually become a collector's item. I mean, I I, I would have, I, I would put five on that for sure. <laughs> for the, <laughs> that is going to be a really interesting auction. I, I, I like, do, isn't his, Tomas, doesn't his wife make some like horrible cat art or some, or dog art or some shit? Out no, in- no, 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 no. What happened was, remember my, the chicken protest, what happened was, I remember, yeah, yeah. His wife basically commissioned a friend to build to the, the artwork that was like those mock-up of like dogs and cats in that Bayfront park and basically used like a million dollars that were transferred to, to her friend and probably back to herself to basically build like what, like 20 fucking like dog and cat statues. But I, I don't know if she's an artist herself. I think she likes to pretend that she is. Just another outlet for the Miami based uh, art scene. That is really an, mostly an outlet for wealth criminals. Yep. We had, yeah. we had an episode about that. Yes. Yeah, we did. That's right. Um, I'm, I'm reading some of his quotes here. I don't have any vehicles in my name. I don't have any yacht in my, I, by the way, very key in my name. Yeah. Like, like uh, there's a, con- there's a legal concept of beneficial ownership. I don't want to get into it in this, but it's like a, a tenant in the worlds of asset recovery and asset forfeiture. And I think that there's going to be a lot of forensic accountants that are going to get to know the name Jokoroyo very well over the course of the IRS, CI agents and people from the SEC and people from, uh, you know, judgment enforcement over at the DOJ are going to get to know um, a lot more about what exactly might not be under Joe Carollo's name, but is definitely a ben- uh, something that 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 he could be said to own. Yeah. I don't have any yachts. We have one vehicle in the face. You know what? I appreciate that though. It seems like he really all of all the money that he's made in his he's really like you know lived. He's 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 going to be one of those guys that dies that doesn't try to take it with him. He's it- gonna- it feels like when he's listing that he's not pleading innocence. He's just going through process of elimination of what he probably won't get tagged for, including yachts and you know <laughs> f- lug- fancy luggage or what have you. He probably has a list of what did I spend it on. Was, okay, well not yachts, so I'm safe there. I think he's just really he's helping them. He's giving them the cliff notes of you know here's what not to look for and see if you can find the other stuff. This guy is like a bundle of straw purchases. He's like, even says, we have one vehicle in my family, a small Buick leased by my wife, but I pay for it. And it's like, you're already giving them a roadmap, man. Like you're showing them, you're telling, you're telling any forensic accountant who's going to work on this eventually. And like exactly the way that you operate. Um, He claims his home is protected from seizure. Quote, I guess I would have to temporarily, temporarily go in the street with a tent or something. Guys, 
Would you oh, guys well, let Joe into your that's, house? That's actually, that's actually illegal in the city of Miami uh, because of an anti-homeless, anti-camping ordinance that Joe Carollo passed. So uh, he would be immediately uh, arrested if he if he went out into the street with a tent. That's right. I've heard people make fun of Biden for this, for how like Joe was like the broke the broke uh, senator forever. I'm just thinking the same yeah. thing. Dude. And it's like I I mean like in the credit card state. Right. Yeah. Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. and Biden are that class of politician that like they do it for the love of the game. Like they're still broke ass bitches and they're just doing it for (laughs) like they're bending over for like developers, credit card companies, you know, and it's all just for the love of the game for like a a rubber chicken dinner, you know, Mm -hmm. like a plaque, like just pathetic. No destination, just the journey. Hunter on the other Hunter, <laughs> Hunter though was was racking in the cash though. <laughs> when that's, Barisma, a, that's another like, guy that Hunter knows how to live. Yeah. He ain't, he is, he ain't bringing a red cent to the yeah. to the grave with him. He's yeah. he's gonna spend it all. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you gotta he knew, he knew how to secure the bag. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I did want to mention that you know this brawl did nearly happen. It was pretty significant. I'm gonna drop in some audio of uh, that Gerald made. In, into this oh, section yeah. right here. The A Street Boys, those and Mr. Gavazzi. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I, you're wrong. And I'm going to put in. Listen, you, you are a liar. You, you are a liar. You are a liar. You are a liar. You want to play Tony Soprano? You are a liar. But I'll play it right back to you. You're a liar. You're a small man. You're a liar. We have We have Uh And this is from a separate article covering the same city commission meeting yesterday where Coroyo was whining about, um, you know, having to sell his underwear. And this is from the Miami Herald, friend of the show, Sarah Blasky, as well, well as Tess Risky and Aaron Leibovitz. In a vote that almost ended in a brawl between Commissioner Joe Coroyo and newly elected colleague Miguel Gabela, the Miami City Commission voted Thursday to extend City Attorney Victoria Mendez, Vicky Mendez, another friend of the show, another person, another current uh, frequent topic uh victoria mendez's contract for just five months allowing her to stay on until she's eligible to collect her pension great i love that i love that like somebody can fail so badly be so deeply corrupt and that the thing that we have to meet about and talk about in the commission uh, on the dais is like how we can make sure that she never spills the beans about where all the fucking other bodies are buried, the un, the un, in, the unfound bodies are buried by making sure that she keeps a pension. I didn't even know that you could uh, like do the kind of shit that she's been a part of and keep a pension. I thought that that was like a that that's that's some. I, I, I didn't know, know you could do the shit that she's been involved in and keep your freedom, <laughs> like <laughs> let alone your pension. You should be in jail. Uh, this led to an altercation um, between Gabella, who is, um, you know, again, we mentioned recently elected and is uh, who knows what he'll end up being. He's been elected to the city of Miami Commission. So it's one of those things where it's like, I really like you're a piece no. of shit until you prove otherwise. No, it's, no, I, I, I'll tell you right now. And I don't give a shit because I'm in my uh, I don't give a fuck era. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't care, David. Miguel Gabella is a moron. He's a nice. fucking clown. <laughs> he always has been. He's basically a guy that uh, was a perennial candidate and just like was going to get wiped in this election by Diaz La Portilla and just got lucky that he w- you know, was indicted for bribery, criminal conspiracy, you know, illegal campaign donations. He got lucky. And the way he conducts himself out there is hilarious 
and good because the commission is so bad that somebody should be there and like be a wrecking ball, right? And like threaten like Joe Carollo and like try to fight him and like do all these like clownish like things. Cause yeah, you need chaos. You need like to like tear down this insanely corrupt commissioner. But in a even semi-functioning commission, like th- that guy is like the biggest clown. Like he's yeah. a moron. Like well, you, you he's can't in the, he's in the green up. room right now, and I was gonna let him into the call, but I'm gonna just let's just hold on. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just get up and try to fight a fellow commissioner, yeah. Even even if it's Joe Carollo, just because they're like you're a small man, like that's insanely beta and cooked. I'm the, sorry. The easiest like, the easiest thing in the world to do is just sit down. It's so easy to just sit. You're already sitting. You're already just sitting. keep doing it. It's easy. It's gonna be incredibly embarrassing but you know but he he's not the hero we wanted but the one we deserve david <laughs> he's definitely i will say this he's he, definitely he, what miami deserves yes if yeah. he's if he's dumb i'm kind of grateful that that's what he is because i just as a as me i have a hard time remembering all the like guys who have their hands in the cookie jar like the alex de la portilla and joe carollo and now there's this other lady i'm like there's too many people doing swindles and to have just a a dumb guy i'm grateful for that because i'm like i'll be i can categorize that in my mind because everyone else is caught up in some kind of like scooby-doo scheme and they're on trial for it they're heading getting hit with felonies but if there's just a guy who's just dumb it's at least easier to get i can put a name on that face and a face on that name well, this we'll is see. this is also we'll co- co- this is also it's difficult, man. It's co- like you're you're touching on it, Jer, which is like there's, there's too many of these types of people, it's and they all many. are like bleeding onto each other. Like I started this wanting to talk about Victoria Mendez and her scam of like targeting homeless uh, homes of uh, vulnerable people. Um, we've talked about that before on the show, before, you know, in the past, but and, and now she's resigned and she's gonna she's on the way out, and it's just like how do you talk about that without talking about this ridiculous fight without talking about uh, Garoyo, and then that opens up the conversation about Ball and Chain and about his underwear having to be sold at auction. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it, it, it's just this big running, it's like an always sunny in Philadelphia episode in the last five minutes where all the storylines come together and it's just chaos. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? It, it, it's, 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 it's very difficult, man. And guess. now you're telling me we finally have a Charlie? I'll, I'll take it. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> We could use we could use a little more um, we could use a little more dumb guy energy. I think I'll take dumb guy over um, that, yeah. as as opposed to some of the smooth smooth criminals, which the Miami City Commission and Tallahassee City Commission has had in common over the years. And as as a non Miami guy, uh, before we move on, I just like to say I really think. Sorry to take a sappy cheesy moment here. But I think that we're seeing the local government culture in Miami truly change in a way that we have not seen in a long time, or at least the at least the chink in the armor, right? At least the beginning of it, and with the elections of of, of commissioners Gabella and, and Pardo, um, and 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 I think at least we can get. I think that the people on this podcast have been a part of it. Billy Corbin has been a big part of it, and I think we can at least get to a place where we have a field of of, of commissioners that are up for election that that are somewhat tied to reason as opposed to these bulletproof crooks that you've had for you decades. Come, so that's my, come, that's my view as an outsider. You come on this podcast with your shirt and tie. Representative democracy is a failure. We cannot trust people to represent these many individuals. We need to create more 
horizontals, spread the power around, more democracy. These people are morons. We, we, okay, you take out DLP and then you put these this this short guy with like a Napoleon complex and a temper who's like trying to fist fight everybody in the commission. Trying to Pardo yeah. is on the side being fucking quiet and useless. You still got Karoy, you still got Christine King, you know, Suarez. Suarez is under investigation. He'll probably end up arrested. Guess what? He'll just be replaced by another fucking piece of shit. So like, and the cycle goes on. And the machinery and on is the same. We, we all we all know that we all know that Ryan has already put down like a sizable deposit on a um, on a on a on a two bedroom two bathroom in Brickle, but and that he's coming down here to fucking he's, he's coming down here to run for office. So we already know we already know what's going on. But I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Quinones Democrat. <laughs> then you wouldn't be a Democrat, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, the. Uh, it, it all bleeds onto each other. You brought up, I, I was going to say that like the machinery needs to be changed, right? Because in our, like in our private chats, we talk about a lot of these people. We talk about the, the, the Christian Ulverts of the world, even on the Democrat side, all this shit stays. Like, it's just like, you're cleaning off what's on top of it. Maybe, you know, the, the, the Alex Diaz de la Portilla, who I want to talk about and the Corroyos and all the, the Vicky Mendez, you clean off like some of the turds, but the shit is still under there. And the shit that keeps them, you know, keeps them fresh, keeps them there, is still there. And there's other little turds coming other out of little the turds butthole, coming out of the assholes that you just flushed away, right? Uh, and and they're all motivated by the same perverse incentive structures. I, I, I I'm saying that to sort of transition us to like one more piece of news from the city of Miami, which is uh, coming out of the same commission meeting. Uh, one of the items that was up for discussion was uh, at the the core of the controversy that removed Alex Diaz de la Portilla from from you know from office and has him in hot water right now and that is the I don't know if this is a name that we've mentioned before in the podcast but the Sentiners I don't know if you guys know that name they run Sentiner Academy down here in 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 um in Miami and it is a uh an anti basically it's just an anti-vax charter school it's a school where they um I don't know if they ever followed through on it because of labor laws, but they they wanted to fire any teacher who had gotten the COVID vaccine because uh, of it potentially shedding vaccine on the kids and, uh, you know, giving them health. I love Ryan's face, bro. Tell, you don't even know, man. You don't even know what we got going on down here. Uh, this I thought North Florida was bad. This is from this is from the Real Deal, which is a, a real if you don't know what it is, it's a real estate news website, which um focuses heavily on Miami and occasionally breaks really good news. This is from Francisco Alvarado. Uh, Miami Commissioner Miguel Gabela wants to put the kibosh on the no, on the no-bid city park deal with David and Leila Sentner that led to criminal charges against his predecessor, Alex Diaz de la Portilla. Gabela placed a resolution on the agenda for Thursday's city commission meeting that would terminate the city's licensing agreement with Perpetual Love Trust. Sorry, perpetual love trust, an entity managed by the Sentinel to build a ten million dollar recreation center at Biscayne Park, a seven point three site, a uh, seven point three acre site at a one fifty Northeast Nineteenth Street. This is that 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 address means nothing to people if you're outside of Miami. That is an incredibly valuable hunk of land. Like that that area is just you you almost couldn't put a price on how much that that that's worth. That's super central right here in the middle of the most booming, out-of-control real estate market that there is in the country. The Sentners, a Miami Beach power couple who operate the private school Sentner Academy, own an educational building adjacent to the city-owned park. Quote, how can you ignore the way this whole deal ha- was put forward and let and let it go on? Gabella, the Napoleon that we 
aforementioned, uh, told the real deal, especially in the light of everything else that is going on in the city of Miami. Um, so yeah, they get into that and they, 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 they talk about the WLRN investigation that uncovered that the wife of the city manager, Art Noriega, and her company had been awarded $440,000 in city contracts for new furniture office. They get into all of the Diaz de la Portilla shit. And I, I it's, it's, it's just, Again, I go back to the idea that all of this stuff is overlapping. It's almost impossible to get any work done. Um, like, how how can you move forward on anything with, with all of these piles of shit everywhere? And, and like, and then the people that like, there's no getting rid of the sentinels. Like, you can vote out all of these people that we're talking about, and you'll still have the sentinels. You'll yeah. still have, um, you know, the. All of the the, the the perverse interests that kept a guy like Carroyo in office for like 40 years, they're all still fucking here. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've been told never to throw out a problem without a solution. But like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the fucking solution is. I, I, I love throwing out problems without solutions. That's like kind of my thing. <laughs> and resigning. Yeah, I think it's healthy. I think sometimes just identifying the problem is healthy enough. Like sometimes, like I'm, I'm saying eventually you'll arrive at a solution, which is, you know, well. Anyway, um, yeah, you got you got to change that economic engine, and if you want to change the political outcomes, basically, um, the 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 logic of the system has to change. Um, if otherwise, you know, the system will, like we've been saying, the system will just perpetuate itself. This reminds me. I mean, you see the same dynamic in, and it's it's nice to talk to as toxic as y'all's local political culture is. It's nice to talk to someone outside of the crazy world uh, of Tallahassee. Um, because you see the same dynamics playing out over and over again. So more from the Real Deal article. Between 2020 and November 2020, uh, 2022, Diaz de la Portilla led the charge to award Perpetual Love Trust a no-bid licensing agreement to build the recreational facility at Biscayne Park, which would primarily serve Sentner Academy students. Again, this is a private, for-the-profit-of-the-Sentners institution. Okay, this is not a public school. This is not... Even this is not even like one of those schools that pretends like it's going to serve the general public. This is a pretty exclusive and harebrained institution. Uh, during that time period, the Sentinels allegedly funneled two hundred and forty-five thousand dollars in illegal campaign contributions to a pair of political action committees controlled by Diaz de la Portilla, according to FDLE. Um, so the Sentinels Perpetual Love Trust deposited the. Like, I can't get through saying that without laughing. That's perpetual love trust. Uh, deposited the funds into an entire an entity purportedly solely owned by their then lawyer and lobbyist, William Bill Riley Jr., the affidavit states. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that this was one of the bigger um, pins in the case that the government has against Diaz de la Portilla. And these people, con que cara, showed up yesterday to fight to say that this um, that this deal should be honored, like like that, like oh they did nothing wrong, and that they should still basically get a no bid build um, contract to the, like the one of the again this is a small seven acre sliver of land, but it's it's just incredibly valuable. I, I don't even know. You remember Tomas? We were talking um, a few episodes ago when we were talking about Suarez. You made this really great point that I think gets lost in the sauce a lot of times, which is that he's supposed to be all of these people are supposed to be 
doing these deals on our behalf, on yes. the taxpayer's behalf, yes. not like giving away the fucking house. This yes. is a perfect seven acres of invaluable land. Like you can't put a price on how this is the most overheat. I said it a second ago, but this is the most overheated housing market, real estate market in the, in the nation, maybe one of the most in the world. And they're just handing away for a, for what for pen, for pennies on the for pennies on the on the on the dollar like $245,000 in campaign contributions to get like like seven acres that you can't even put a fucking price on ridiculous disgusting it reminds me it reminds me so uh, so much of um what's going on at my alma mater at New College of Florida in Sarasota which is also Oh talk about it. Yeah, tell t- tell us what's going on. I heard you guys got a hell of a baseball team coming in. <laughs> so so the small liberal arts school uh, that I attended New College of Florida in Sarasota um I I think this underlies the grift on uh, on charter schools and in, in school privatization across Florida. In fact, I think this is the bleeding edge, the the tip of the spear of this entire thing. It's seen as separate but I think very much of a piece with this thing that's going on in Miami Beach. Um, one thing that people may not realize about uh, about New College is that it's sat right on the Sarasota Bay. I mean, it's a beautiful, it's an incredible place. I learned how to sail there. It's like this pristine, beautiful place in Florida. Um, and uh, it's, it's set basically, two of the main administrative buildings are these true Ringling Brothers family uh, mansions. College Hall and Cook Hall, which houses classrooms and administrators. It's basically, like you said, priceless. I mean, it'd be valued in hundreds of millions or something. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. You could never make it again. I don't even think we have the capacity to build those buildings there. And certainly they ain't making that real estate anymore. Um, and so as you see the institution become prager fied like, you know, out of the box, shitty right wing um, curriculum taking the place of one of the most rigorous and special and, 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 and uh, difficult, interesting, um, uh, call it higher education curricula in the entire state. What you're also seeing is, I think, this past week, of course, this new college has ceased, of course, of state government action to even be a four-year institution. I think that they're playing games with, they're offering AAs there, which I think is a way to hide the lack of achievement that the new students are, 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 uh, are failing to do. Um, to, to kind of fudge the numbers and change the graduation rates uh, so that it doesn't look like the terrible uh, mistake that it was. But I think ultimately what it comes down to is they're going to sell the place off for parts. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a jobs program for washed up legislators like Bill Galvano, who's making half a million bucks a year as the general counsel, and Richard Corcoran, who's making $1.3 million plus um, to, to basically oversee the the destruction of this very interesting and cool institution that was part of the, the state of Florida's apparatus. But I think at the end of the day, it's just another glorified real estate grift. Well, yep. and, and that's a common theme of this podcast, right? Which we always go back to that is when you examine most political deals, transactions, scandals, you know, like just anything at the end of the day, it comes back to they're stripping the place out of the copper wire, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like they are selling the baseboards, the marble, the copper wire, everything is getting dismantled and just, you know, you're, you're making as much money as you can and without having to manage 
or build or construct or have every, anything long term, right? I mean, David, you and I talk about it all the time. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's the way the cookie crumbles at the end of the day. Gutted, privatized. There's the pull of people who uh, stand to benefit from it that are uh, that are perpetrating it, and then there's the push from people who um, stand to benefit by fucking things up. And that's my last Miami story that I wanted to mention, which is uh, a name that I don't know if we've mentioned on the show before, Luby Navarro, who up until last year was a uh, member of the um, was a, a member of our, our county school board. Who um, I and my wife have actually in in our dealings with the school board have directly dealt with uh with with her with people on the school board we've we've you know to no avail to this was mostly during a really um a really controversial time of of you know covid and implementation of of uh of you know safeguards and whatnot and and returning to to the, to the school safely and shit like that so we have a lot of context with this woman who is i think most generously described as proud boy adjacent moms for liberty adjacent um, she has a doctorate from a um, uh, like an empty office building in my in uh, downtown Miami. Uh, it's something called like the new the new Spain School of Madrid Arts or some shit. I don't know, like some imaginary fucking uh, uh, diploma mill bullshit ass place. But um, she uh, was just hauled into jail Thursday. This is from the Miami New Times on charges that she illegally racked up a dizzying bill on her school district credit cards, blowing public funds on everything from a five-star Las Vegas hotel stay to an Apple Watch to a pirate quote pirate vixen costume for Halloween. Um, which no way, no comment. I, I got the I got the best part. I got the best part. This is from the Miami Herald. I am not making this up. In November 2022, Miami-Dade School Board Vice Chair Luby Navarro made a strange purchase with her school district-issued credit card. Two silicone and cotton fake pregnancy bellies from Amazon that she used to try and convince her ex-boyfriend she was carrying his baby, according to state oh, investigators and prosecutors. <laughs> Hold on. Stop. Hold on. She likely knew where to find them because earlier that year, she used the same credit card to buy two Apple AirTag tracking devices that were later found attached with duct tape to the underside of her ex-boyfriend's car, the investigators say. One was near a wheel. <laughs> wow. Hey, this person, you know, I don't, I don't even care, but this person... Gets paid like two hundred thousand dollars a year, I think. What, what's the salary for school board? It's, it's it's plus they get all these like stipends. Yeah, like what the fuck, man? What do you like? And they have all the time in the world to do these. Job. And then, like Miami Dade school board member is not a real like job. Like you're yeah. not putting tile. You're not working construction. You're not a carpenter. Like you are just a grifter who's sitting there and pretending to do work, and getting paid. I'm getting paid a lot, and then you have to steal from kids. From our schools, how much of a piece of shit can you be? You buy silicone, fake pregnant belly, like whatever. Like what the fuck is wrong with us? Apart from that, the people like her and anybody who, you know, we could talk to a friend of the show, Jen Cousins, who tell, tells us all the time about and, and it's on sort of the Moms for Liberty. Why? These are people, Luby Navarro, it's not just like some random school board 
corrupt member that like just a run-of-the-mill corrupt politician she was part of that project that that latter-day more recent project to put people like her right-wing people to who, who really want to put god back into the the discourse about public schools whose main objective is to really dismantle public education and push things that they call school choice but it's really privatization it's really like you know the 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 undercutting of community schools the undercutting of the schools that the vast majority of working people need to rely on in their day to day and instead be like no 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 well maybe your kid wants to get into puppetry oh yeah cool well you know the puppetry school is down off of southwest 152nd street so you're going to need to like you know dry, put them on a bus at 6 in the morning because that's school choice guys and that's the way that we're going to run education is no, but but david you know what I actually worked with Luby Navarro a lot when she first got elected, and she, I, I you know, I, you know me, I never trust any of these fucking politicians, even the good ones, for the most even part. Even the pregnant I mean, ones, even the even the fake pregnant ones, who, who we love. But yeah, right. But she was actually like very moderate, moderate, right? And we worked with her on things like giving immig- immigrant students resources, and she was like very pro-immigrant. Like she was pretty good. And then what happened? When Annette Tadeo was running for state senate re-election, they tried to recruit her to run against her. She ultimately never did. But then they started, like, grooming her for, like, Congress. And she adopted this, like, right-wing persona of, like, Moms for Liberty and all this bullshit. And we got what we got, right? But she's just a grifter that stands for nothing. And you know what's the worst part about all this? Guess who actually endorsed Luby Navarro for this position? United Teachers of Dade. Oh, lovely. The, 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 the Miami-Dade Teachers Union. Yeah, one of their last uh, acts before I, fucking know, they, self, uh, self-immolating self by not paying their dues and not fighting strong, strongly enough, frankly, against the um, the administrative requirements that, that made it where their their union is probably going to become undone in the coming. Yeah, but, but Jesus Christ, man. Like, we need to do a – like, if we're going to have this, like – representative democracy, whatever, like we need to do a better job and just elect better fucking people because we are electing just absolute moron grifters nonstop. Yeah, Ida Escamani is joining us out of the kindness of her heart and also $20,000 that we paid her for a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, none of that's true. It's 5.01 p.m. And we are now joined by Ida Escamani, who uh, is a frequent guest of the show, who's a name that everybody's heard before, um, who's been heard here and many other places, uh, who is always a helpful resource guiding us through the uh, what horrible things the Florida legislature has in store for us in the, in the coming months, in the coming years, and um, has been a guiding light for us to understand what's happening uh, in the Capitol, in Tallahassee. Uh, Tomas, I'm going to hand it off to you to sort of set us up, but let's 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 talk a little bit about what's on the agenda, what's, com- what's coming our way. Wow, David, what a crowd, what a scene. We got Ryan Ray, we got Ida Scamani. So Ida, as you know, I, I've moved uh, from Miami, I've moved from Florida, I'm in New York, I'm out of the scene. I'm out of the loop. I don't know what's happening, but I hear some bad things are, are indeed happening in the Florida legislature. So um, can you tell us what's going on? Because I generally don't know much, except that they're trying to like completely erase uh, abortion rights and like allow children to like get on roofs and scaffolding. 
yeah, you, you've got you've got some of the highlights there, Tomas. Um, and, you know, you can take the, the boy out of Florida. I can't take the floor out of the boy. You know, you're yeah. always here with us. Yeah. We are. <laughs> we appreciate you and, and the, the, the work you've done um, to, to help the fight here. Um, so there's a lot going on. So this was week one of the Florida session. Um, the, the way the Florida legislature works is that we have legislative committee weeks that happen about six or seven weeks before session. So in many ways, we've been in session, right? We had our official start date um, this Tuesday. The governor gave his State of the State address, which was, as you can imagine, unhinged uh, and uh, just, you know, a sad display of failed leadership and um, and put out a lot of really terrible ideas out there. But bills were already been introduced, have had bill hearings and have been moving. That includes a bill uh, to roll back child labor protections in the state of Florida, pushed by um, well-known billionaire extremists and think tanks across the country. Um, also a massive preemption bill that would erase all living wage ordinances in Florida, erase any potential of heat stress illness protections in Florida, and just ban every kind of local worker protection in the state. That bill had a hearing this week, House Bill 433. Uh, and two, as you noted, so many extreme bills have been introduced that have not gotten hearings yet. And honestly, I mean, on the bill filing deadline of Tuesday, just bad, awful pieces of policy were falling from the sky. And so a lot of folks on the ground are still assessing the damage, so to speak, of all the different anti-LGBTQ bills, all different bills impacting reproductive freedom, all the different corporate preemption bills and, and other bills that are really centered around just corporate tax giveaways and incentives and, and things of that nature. Um, so many bad bills from the environment and clean water and clean air. Um, so a lot of the damage is being assessed. Um, there were a couple of bills, I will say, that are insane, but might not move based on what we heard this week. So that the one really just, uh, I mean, we already had a six-week abortion ban that we're waiting to be implemented because we're currently waiting for the Florida Supreme Court to make a decision on the 15-week ban. Uh, so right now in Florida, we don't have a six-week six ban in place yet, but the law passed last session. But they did introduce an even more extreme bill that would just ban all abortion access, but also ban the judicial bypass process for youth um, to get an abortion if they don't have their parents' consent. Uh, but the speaker said that bill is not going to move. That was introduced by Rep. Rero in Miami. And so the speaker said that bill is not moving. The speaker also said that the bill that completely bans vote by mail in Florida is not moving. Um, so that is, you know, might offer some comfort, but it's only week one. A lot can change and happen. So folks should continue to be vigilant. And, you know, any type of policy win in the sense of defeating bad legislation is a result of us organizing and shifting political conditions and making these political liabilities. So the organizing is so critical and making these things politically toxic to defeat them. Um, and I will say one last thing, and then I'll stop rambling, is in that massive preemption bill that erases living wages and worker protections, uh, much of that bill has been introduced previously, and we defeated it. So we have beat them at their game, and so it's really important we show up and fight back. So just wanted to give a lot of love to the folks on the ground doing that work, and happy to dive in. Well, not happy. I'm unhappy to dive into those pieces, but <laughs> there's a lot going on in week one, folks. Everyone's exhausted, um, and we still have a you know fifty six days to go. Oh, it's just fifty six days to go. 
Uh, Ida, do you have any insight on the, I think it's Jason Bredore who refiled it, his like retaliatory anti like journalist bill is, yeah, can you speak about like the details of that bill and if it's going to actually move this session? It's a great question. So that's a defamation bill that would do a lot of horrifying things. Um, one is it would allow some you to be it would, it would you would be sued if you accuse someone of being like racist or sexist or things of that nature, right? Um, but it also had a, a language around like banning anonymous sources and things like that too. So um, that is a bill that. Jason Berger had a version of it last year um, that completely failed and the whole Republican Party turned against him on it. So that bill's not uh, not moved yet, but that is a bill that we're watching. There's also been a lot of anti-immigration bills and things of that nature, too, that have been introduced, right? So folks are assessing a lot right now. A lot of bad things have come from this guy, um, both the House and the Senate. And so folks are just digesting all of it right now in yeah, that sense. One more question. So has, has there been a bill filed uh, that would um impose uh, uh taxes on uh, families that are sending remittances to their uh, mem- family members abroad um you know that was a bill draft that was introduced like it was a bill draft the governor's office had written previously um and I, I do believe it was introduced in some sort of way but i have to go back and check all those bills that have been filed but that was those are some ideas that the governor has been the governor's office has been considering for a while and that they were only revealed through a public records request um, that Jason Garcia got, um, reporter of Seeking Rents. And so, yeah, I, but I, I feel like you know if that was officially introduced. I've not had a chance to read through all these bills yet. So I actually can't, I, I don't want to like reveal anything that is not factual, but we should assume all bad ideas will make uh, an appearance. The other piece is like, even if bills have not been introduced yet, that doesn't mean anything because they can introduce bills throughout session. So when you're in the majority party in Florida, you can put up a bill in any committee time, any committee hearing, you can put up a bill um, really any time in the process as an amendment. Um, and so really this is no one's safe until they sign a die. Nothing's off the table until it's over. Um, and so it's really important folks remain vigilant. And right now, a lot of us are just spending time reading policy. And a lot of these bills, too, some of them are very Florida originals. Like, folks in other states are like, what is this? Like, where is this awful idea coming from? (laughs) And then other bills, like the child labor bill, for example, has been already introduced in other states, right? And so we've also been talking to advocates and lawmakers in those states about, like, how did you, you know, fight this? And, and, you know, what can we learn from, from those lessons? So, yeah, there's just a lot of bad ideas. There's a lot of awful things happening. And... A lot of folks, you know, with Ron DeSantis flailing in this presidential, right? The question was like, okay, so who's in charge then? Because so much of what has happened has been because the governor has dominated the legislature. And so folks are trying to basically, you know, help him win the Iowa caucus. And so now that he's flailing right now, you know, (laughs) yeah, good luck. But a lot of folks were like, well, who's, you know, who's in charge? And there is somewhat of a vacuum of leadership. Uh, and that's why bills are getting filed that like the speaker doesn't like, you know, usually you have to get the speaker's blessing on stuff. Right. And things like that. So you're seeing a little bit of that messiness happening. Um, but the speaker, uh, the, the next speaker, Danny Perez is, you know, part of the ALEC infrastructure. I mean, yeah, all these folks now are basically all fighting to be the darling of the right wing. So it almost in a way turns into this race to the bottom of a lot of individuals now which is why you're seeing so many awful things introduced. And unfortunately, I don't think we can 
like assume things are going to get better in that sense. Um, and on the flip side, like in the same vein, you know, the Senate president literally said on opening day that Medicaid expansion is not an option, not going to happen. So they're also already trying to like clamp down on 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 progress. Um, but oh, again, I will say like so much of the you lives. Yeah, right. And also a lot of lawmakers, this is not public information, like it's not publicly available, but the lawmakers are offered state subsidized healthcare. That is incredibly good and cheap. Oh. And so so the idea that for them. Yeah, right. And the idea that they won't expand Medicaid, they'll ban gender affirming care, they'll ban abortion, they won't fu fully fund the persons with disabilities wait list, but they get subsidized, state subsidized healthcare is just so egregious. But I, I can't stress enough how important it is to remember that you know, we can shift political realities through organizing. So, you know, there is a, a moment of reality, but by organizing, we shift political conditions to change what is possible. And so how important it is to continue to do that work on the ground, even if things feel really dire. Um, I get a lot of inspiration from the worker movements we're seeing across the country and the bosses tell them like, none of those demands are possible. And then you organize and they are. So, you know, we can change political conditions together. Well, you've, you've been the most hopeful note in this, in this episode, I'll say that much. <laughs> um, you should get somebody to file a bill to like to abolish that like state funded healthcare. It'll, and you can say it's under the auspices of further balancing the budget. I mean, you know, more, more budget surplus. I mean, come on. Um, Ida, can you go through the greatest hits of what uh, of the the more perfect union coverage of the 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 child labor uh, protection rollback bill? Because wow, we some real gems in there. Oh man, that hearing was just unreal, and 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 I will say this: I mean, that big preemption bill. So this week there were a lot of bills heard, a lot of things, all and the the child labor bill and that big anti-worker preemption bill are two of like particular um, importance in this moment. And I'll, I'll say on the, on the preemption bill, they cut all public testimony because they didn't want to hear anyone's, you know, story. And that bill, literally the farm workers were there. So many folks impacted by erasing heat stress, by banning any protections on heat illness in the state that haven't even passed yet. Right. Miami Dade's working on it, trying to pass it. But like farm workers were, were there in the Capitol, not allowed to speak. Uh, the, you know, there, there are so many folks up because this bill literally would splash thousands of workers' wages across the state and no one was allowed to speak. And the majority party didn't even debate and really support of it. They just, they just, you know, they want to serve their corporate overlord and move on. And they know it's so dangerous when our people have a chance to share their stories because we're not talking to the committee. We're talking to the public, right? And the public is on our side. So they, they try to silence us. Um, but to the child labor rollback bill, oh my God, that was ridiculous. So first of all, the sponsor of the bill, Representative Cheney, continues to say that this bill, which impacts like 16 and 17 year olds, she keeps saying they're not children. She literally said, they're not children, they can drive. And I mean, they're, <laughs> they're legally children. I mean, they're under the age of 18. But she kept somehow redefining what it means to be a child and an adult <laughs> in committee. And it was just, it was just wild. And then, so, you know, trying to somehow redefine what it means to be a child and adult when it comes to labor, but when it comes to abortion access, when it comes to gender affirming care, you are a child and your parents have to make every choice for you. But when it comes to being, a, you know, working long hours and literally not going to school, you know, 
Yeah, you can. So, <laughs> you can did they like? Did they just like see all those empty construction sites from their crackdown on immigrants and say, well, "If only we had an army of kindergartners to do like a recess schools out type of a situation, we could we could get back I to mean, work." Yeah. Nice. The goal here is to create a permanent, obedient underclass of disposable labor, which will just proportionally be people of color, as it has always been in this country, and. There's not a, there's, it's not a coincidence that we're gutting public education, gutting higher ed, gutting opportunities for economic prosperity for young people, but then expanding child labor. It's all connected around this collective fight around who controls our economy and our democracy. And it's very much all of us who work for a living versus a billionaire class. That is like the crux of this moment in our nation, in our state. And it is absolutely not a coincidence that we have a labor shortage because we have passed anti-immigrant legislation and so we're instead of paying folks you know what they owe or, or supporting immigration reform we're gonna hire children <laughs> so it's just so blatantly transparent um and there's a couple other just ridiculous statements made in this committee hearing uh one uh, supporter of the bill on the committee a republican he compared child labor to his two daughters being IB students. He said, you know, my, my two daughters are, are IB students and they, you know, they're sometimes work until 11 PM. You know, it's basically the same as child labor. I mean, it was like, how out of touch are you? Studying in the kitchen until midnight is not the same as child labor. Like, it's just like, you know what my problem is, like is that like these morons are trying to basically like make it seem that like, it's like this 1950s vision of like, oh right. my God, like my my son, my 15-year-old son is working at the soda pop store part-time after school, you know. Well, Tomas, what a... <laughs> for a summer job, that built some character. And it's like, no, you want like kids to work like full-time, like overnight, like in like yes. heart-ridden like roofs and like scaffolds, like... Yes. They're gonna get a yes. fucking like nailed through their like fucking hand by misusing a nail gun. Like that's not yes. like 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 and, and like they're selling that to the public, and the public's like, well, I think it's fine that like children can work, you know, at the soda pop store and make a few I'll, extra bucks. I'll also like, guarantee. That's not what the bill does, you know? I'll also guarantee whatever they were getting paid in the soda pop store is the equivalent to like $19 an hour today. Yes, exactly. It's ridiculous. Well, actually, the same uh, that, that same supporter of the bill, Republican lawmaker who compared child labor to his, his daughters being IB students, also said, you know, when he was a kid, he worked at a snow cone shop. So uh, these are great lessons. I didn't even know that. And like, that, like I'm telling you, like, there's no shit. Like, yeah. So I will say that the the advocates there that testified and included just, you know, so many great folks, the, the Farm Workers Association um, were there, Florida Student Power Network, Florida for All, uh, so many amazing advocates and directly impacted people testified uh, in, against the bill and told really incredible stories. And this bill disproportionately impacts particularly migrant youth. Like research has shown that it's oftentimes migrant kids that are most exploited by child labor, even in states where there are protections, right? Um, because the enforcement is so weak. And for a lot of corporations, paying the fine is a small price to pay compared to the exploited labor. So there's also a, a, a need to strengthen these laws across the country as well. And the other kind of like 
piece they say often is, oh, we're just aligning this with federal law. You know, there's no problem. And like federal law is not as strong as our state laws. But that is, you know, that's the point of state laws. It's that's Florida's favorite thing to do is align with federal law. Yeah. They're all about state rights yeah. and fuck the federal government. Exactly. It's it's ideology of convenience. It's all rooted on how can we make corporations and billionaires more money and, you know, make sure that people can't actually have power in the state. And so, yeah, it's and 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 this the child labor rollback bill is also a preemption bill. It also bans local governments from doing anything to to protect children as well. So uh, it's you know, there's a lot of, you know, use of preemptive state mandates and a lot of different bills that we're facing right now. Um, but yeah, it's that that hearing was just wild, just wild. Um, but a lot of parents came up and testified against it. Um, so it was a really, um, yeah, just telling committee. I cannot get over the the IB student comment. I just um, um. to to compare that because for folks like if you know if you go to school in in I think IB I think is a it's a program everywhere, but you know that was basically where like the really smart kids went you know and who like usually had also like came from wealth like you know getting into ib was kind of like the more um like very smart very like well-resourced kids there were a couple scrappy like folks but like you know i was an ap kid you know like (laughs) and so to say like ib kids are the same as child labor was just mind-boggling to me and so out of touch with reality someone someone in the public comments should have been like uh you should put your daughters on a fucking like fifth floor scaffold with a nail gun you cool with that well and and actually uh uh one of the lawmakers against the bill said that they said you wouldn't put your kids through any of this yeah and so that's not what they're talking about they're not talking about like the working at the tasty freeze they're talking about this they're they're talking about like working in a slaughterhouse in purdue in, in a purdue farm they're talking about being out in you know under heat like like what we have today down in South Florida in, in the Redland, like picking, uh, picking produce. It's it, right. It, it, and yeah, they, they rely on that conflation to like, you know, they ha- do. And, and back. Yeah, they absolutely do. And they, and they'll argue, you know, there's already protections around hazardous jobs, but there's a lot of jobs that are hazardous that are not. And the other piece is in current Florida law, there's already an exemption that parents can apply for if they want their kids to work in a certain, you know, field. Um, and there are different rules around that, but there, there is an exemption process already in place that most that is not used very much because most parents are not working to push their kids into child labor. It's so often families who don't have a choice, right? It's families that are trying to make, it's families that are experiencing poverty that their kids have to work. And if there's an option around, you can work more hours, but you can't go to school, the kids are going to be forced out of just the moment. They're not even going to know the decision that's being made their entire future is going to be completely undermined because they're going to choose to work in a minimum wage job that is also going to put their lives at risk versus going to school. And public education is one of the key indicators of economic and social mobility in our country. And you're denying kids that access. And again, it's directly linked to efforts to privatize public education, to gut LGBTQ curriculum and racial justice, to, to make school miserable, to, to, uh, get uh, to make teachers leave. It's all connected to this idea around if you're going to go to school, you're going to be indoctrinated to be an obedient like member of society, or you don't get education at all. You're just going to be an obedient worker, and disproportionate it's going to be black, brown, and working class kids and families impacted. And the power of those communities are direct threat to the status quo. And so it's all connected to like a bigger fight 
around, like, you know, who who's in charge Florida, of the state. And, uh, Florida's right-wing yeah. legislature continuing to perpetuate this two-track society with the elite that they represent right. and everybody else, of course, with all of the hubbub and all of the um, all of the, all the, the the noise about parental consent. Amendments were rejected to allow workplace worksite injuries to be reported to children were rejected. Right. Um, and, uh, and this is, you know, of course, all all of this is undercutting wages for workers writ large. Uh, adult workers are going to be undercut by this. That's right, too, Ryan. That's right. A lot of research has shown that these pieces also undercut the like collective wages. Ida, let me tell you a story because you're talking about making schools miserable and children obedient. And David, you know where I'm going with this. I was hanging out at David's house. His adorable kid comes up to me, starts telling me how they don't let them talk during lunch. They don't let them talk during lunch. <laughs> and they assign them seating. So they have to sit in their like little assigned seat during lunch and shut the fuck up and eat your food and you can't talk. I think that's outrageous. And, you know, we're talking about it with David. And, yeah, it's like they want to make – not just for the child but for specifically for the parent the experience of public education as unpleasant as possible. So you have to send your kid to these fucking like Montessori schools or some fucking charter school and whatever. Um, yeah, no, you're fine. right. I mean, there's there's like I see there's kind of like there's two directions, right? There is making public education as miserable as possible by underfunding it, by of course privatizing it, which just like cuts options and and leads to more issues, right? Um, by by targeting LGBTQ kids and targeting Black kids, and also the school to prison pipeline more generally, and the criminalization of of Black kids, particularly Black girls. I mean, it's all connected to to mass shootings like all these pieces that make public education just like an unpleasant scary place that will then force parents to you know choose to to use a public voucher to send their kid to an unaccountable private school that actually isn't better but might not actually grade them so they start getting good grades even because there's no accountability so they can just give whatever grades they want and those kids aren't learning anything and are being indoctrinated or the piece about like being quiet at a lunch table is so much around like creating just obedient people that don't challenge the status quo that are made for labor, right? And like you see how corporations are infiltrating our education system for decades. And it's all about just making our lives around being workers and labor and not about like our autonomy and our independence and our innovation and just like living full lives, right? And so you see a lot of these bills that are also like they're absolutely bad and they, they paint them as like really great for kids, but it's all about just making kids ready to work and not like ready to thrive and live, right? That is like, and there's one, you know, this was in 1971, the Lewis Powell memo. It was like a, a memo written to the United States Chamber of Commerce around how corporations need to influence our education system and our democracy because they were seeing, you know, the they were seeing the tide turn in favor of like people-centered laws and policies and were freaking out about it. And a lot of the tactics in that memo you see today about how they've infiltrated higher ed. And so I also can't, this like whole thing about how universities are, you know, hubs of, of leftism, it's just so wild to me because there's literally buildings named after massive corporations, like at every university, <laughs> defense contractors, like they're all like, like that is not the case at all. Right. Like, and so it's, it, that's another sort of accusation in a mirror in a sense. Uh, but there is, of course, an objective to like just build Hillsdale's of, you know, the South and, and everywhere else. So even like 
the things that education do offer in the sense of a spaces for folks to gather and have free thought, the things that we still have in higher ed to a certain extent, they want to eliminate those too, right? But higher ed is, has been for a long time infiltrated by a lot of different corporate uh, agendas. And so we see that practice already, but of course they want to, you know, take it another step. The, the right is always thinking in abundance, you know, and that's why I always tell folks like, we cannot limit ourselves like, cause they're dreaming. They, they never have a ceiling. They're just going for it. And then every time we have an idea that is very common sense that everyone loves, like it's massively popular, the moderate, you know, corporate class says, no, we can't do that. It's too reckless. But our opponents are dreaming big. And so we have an obligation to yeah, do the same. And, and I will also say that our higher education institutions are not just infiltrated by corporate actors, but also by intelligence services, especially in South Florida, where schools like UM and FIU have been historically uh, surveillance uh, centers uh, against countries like Cuba and recruitment centers for uh, intelligence assets. Ida, what you've described, that's not our vibe at all. In this, in this podcast, we are anti-obedience. We're just straight up anti-working. We are pro <laughs> We're pro-hanging out. We're pro-just vibing. And we're pro-being based. But we do want to thank you for coming. We do want to thank you for giving us this uh, roundup on just horrible shit that's happening in the Florida legislature. Do you have like any sense or a guidance on how people can get like involved or, you know, any action that they can take in the upcoming weeks? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a few a few basic things, of course, right? Like if you don't already know your state lawmaker and state senator, your state representative and state senator, you absolutely need to and need to reach out and you need to, you know, be like adopt them and constantly reach out and engage them on the issues you care about because they're obligated to serve you. That's very important. And then also there are countless amazing grassroots organizations that are organizing in the Capitol, outside the Capitol. So th those groups include, you know, Planned Parenthood, Equality Florida, Florida Immigrant Coalition, Florida for All, uh, different like AFL-CIO, SEIU, your different labor unions. A lot of folks are organizing around this legislative session. So get engaged in that way. And if you can't, I would really, really urge you to get involved in the abortion ballot initiative, uh, Floridians Protecting Freedom. It's a huge opportunity to completely change the direction of the state to protect bodily autonomy, but also to rebuild like our infrastructure and really engage people uh, and restore people's faith in like the processes of democracy we have in this state and in this country. So really encourage folks to get involved there. Uh, and, you know, legislative session is awful, but it's it's one moment of many in the state because a lot of these bad things have also been coming through rulemaking, through state agencies. So you know, and, and there's also a lot of bad and good things happening at the local level. So there's so many opportunities to get engaged. So also don't lose sight of the forest through the trees, right? Like session is awful and it's there, but it's one part of a massive machine. And there's a lot of different ways we can be involved uh, to change the structure of the state, right? So um, find that piece that, you know, feels right for you um, and get engaged in that way. Uh, and there's, you know, there's just... Don't lose sight of the big picture around like it's very much a battle between all of us and a, a class of corporations and extremist billionaires that are working to control our economy and our democracy. And I really believe that people can win if we expose our opponents and rally and organize. Boys, we need to have Ida more. Ida, we, we literally been having like specifically me more than anyone, but like a mental breakdown for like the last 30 minutes before 
you hopped on being like everything sucks representative democracy is lost nothing matters okay can I, wait i know we just said goodbye no, you, I, you I, give I, us some hope you give us like you know like uh, opportunities to get involved like th this is what we need folks well wow, i feel i feel new i feel refreshed uh, i feel ready to get back into the film i was so depressed until i came on this call and y'all made me happy Ooh, so i mean dope. what does that say listen to all the bullshit <laughs> i've been saying in the first part of this podcast i mean some of the stuff like the stuff in gaza and that biden sucks that's still true but like let's keep going let's go we can win Thank you to Ida Eskamani for joining us and giving us a lowdown on what's what we're what, what what more awful shit we can expect out of Tallahassee out of your neck of the woods, Ryan. Uh, Tomas, you really want to check in on these on Iowa as well. You want to you want to know how our boy Ron is. Uh, you, you want us I to predict? Get you all on the record. Okay. I want to get you all on the record. All right. Um, who wants to start? Uh, why don't we Why don't we begin? With 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 T T, what, what's going to happen this uh, coming week, uh, this Tuesday, as, as the Iowa caucuses kick off? I put my money where my mouth is, so I'm gonna I'm gonna model this. In, in, in <laughs> Gerald looked deeply well, offended. Just, we're, are we about to find out some stuff? Like, <laughs> okay. so I think I think Tomas Trump, has a large offshore bet. What? Are... <laughs> I think Trump blows it out of the water. I mean, yeah. like. Not like as much as people think, but I think it's going to be like at least 10, you know, which is sizable. But uh, I think Haley comes in second. I think DeSantis comes in like third, like not by a lot, but like, you know, like he, I think he loses like comfortably, yeah. like maybe like a couple of points. Okay. Like third. Gerald? Um, yeah. Um, my my guess on this hasn't changed from the last round of, I have the margin of victory closer to 20. Um, so I'll, I'll just say the high teens. Um, again, I, I think Haley will come in second. The really, the only question is margin of victory um, for Trump over the, whoever places second and whether DeSantis's campaign when he comes in third uh, is officially over or only unofficially over. Um, I think those are really the only two questions is, What's the margin of victory and does DeSantis throw in the towel or does he just, you know, continue to scarf down, you know, campaign event food um, for the cameras? Right. Uh, for, for my part, for my part, <clears throat> uh, ditto. Uh, first of all, uh, big shout out to Ida Escalante. Truly uh, one of the few sane people showing the flag here in Tallahassee in the process. And we appreciate her a ton. Um, yeah, no, I think that... Um, even the DeSantis camp is kind of telegraphing and setting their expectations for a third place finish. So I'm looking for that. I think that he probably will set the record for most dollars spent per caucus goer uh, in Iowa. Um, and, you know, I think I'm thinking fourth place in New Hampshire. I'm legitimately thinking perhaps a fourth in New Hampshire, which would precipitate a crisis. I don't know if he can make it to March at this point. You think Vivek outperforms him in New Hampshire? I, 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 if there, nothing would surprise me. I, I'm looking. I really am thinking single digits um, and something so marginally bad in New Hampshire that it's catastrophic. So if we're if we're going into predictions, and I'll I'll try to spice it up a little bit. I because I, I agree with you 
all that it's going to be Trump, Haley, DeSantis in Iowa. Um, I also will add that I think that both primary seasons will be over well before Super Tuesday. Oh, yeah. I think that we will have we will have the general election um, by attrition. It'll be set by well, well before Super Tuesday, like like maybe a couple weeks before Super Tuesday. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what I think. So lots of fun reliving 2020, guys. Cool. It's gonna it's gonna be the a system blast. works, baby. The system works. You can tell. Like wait, so look, as soon as there's like a poison pill in the system, it expels itself like Tomas, right? We we had like we had like a troublemaker in the party. And he just got—he just took himself out of it, and you know, so everything's working great. I would like even better if uh, we find out that the company that's uh, doing the um, what is it, the tabulations for the caucus goers, is related to Nikki Haley, and she magically pulls out a first place finish. Um, that that oh. I that that would be a you know an interesting curveball. Or you never know. And then, it's a, then then it's a two person race. Or really. or all of the people doing the tabulations uh, uh, attended Sentner Academy, and um, they mm. uh, they 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 just have no idea how to fucking count because their brains are racked with long COVID. <laughs> That's probably. Wait, so do we think? Do we think? One more question: Do we think he drops out in Iowa? No. No, I, I ping pong um, that back to you guys because I don't know. The, there's money, there's organizations, there's involvement. There's he strikes me as a he strikes me as a pain pig. Um, I I could see him continuing to soldier on until he absolutely has to drop out. Now, here's an interesting question. I think that he for sure will swallow his pride and suspend his campaign. You know, I think that he'll still keep it open to delegates of floor fight or something like that. What do y'all think about whether he will endorse Trump afterwards? Well, I'm so, I'm yeah, he will. has to. Yeah. He'll has grovel. To. He'll grovel. He'll, there'll be Mitt Romney yeah. restaurant photos of him. Yeah, there'll be mm-hmm. like the, the whole nine yards, the whole yeah. uh, Ted Cruz. The Cafe Ted, Versailles photos. Ted Cruz yeah. sadly, you know, making phone calls with the Trump sign, the MAGA sign behind him. Yeah. Shit. We, we talked about this on this podcast. And, and Trump will absolutely be like, oh, we love Ron. We had to beat him up a little bit. But he's we back in back Florida in- where we love him. <laughs> Good Florida, he's a good governor, not a good president, not as good as Trump, but we do love him. In Florida. we talk, we talk about Trump's superpowers. We'll be all good. Trump, we'll be all good. that's one of his superpowers is like being able to pull that move and have everybody, all of his people, just like in lockstep behind him, like the Pied Piper. Yeah. Nobody, not even Obama, not even Bill Clinton, could pull that shit off. That's the thing is like Obama is talked about as the first, maybe the most gifted, like political, like. Um, what how do you say like um political actor i guess no. um like for all his gifts n- could not conceal like the very obvious truth that he and the clintons like hated each other like all throughout his first term like just did not care for one another on a person just could not hide yeah. it whereas trump can convince all his supporters it's all good it's all good. Boys are boys, and we're all back to we're back to one. Because yeah, he keeps, everything's wonderful. He keeps their eyes on the prize. It's it's unbelievable. 